Blog Talk Radio. Mike, can you hear me? I am here. Can you hear me? I can now. Sorry about that. <laughs> Folks, this is Are why we, we call it a test show. <laughs> well, absolutely. And we, uh, uh, You know what, Mike? We might have to do about 50 more of these <laughs> before we get it right. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the reasons. Now, Mike, I, I, just to kind of explain to the people that might be listening, okay, um, this is why we're doing all these test shows because we want to get used to blog talk radio and, uh, I have no idea what happened. I mean, I, I, you call, one of us calls in as a host. I'm trying to simplify this for people at home. One of us calls in as a host. One of us calls in as a invited guest kind of, right, Mike, for lack of a better term? Correct. And what happens is is uh, whoever the host is has technically got the run of the board. And that's what we're trying to figure out, actually, is the run of the board. Hence uh, the uh, test. I guess it's kind of like a P driver right now. I, we, maybe instead of test, we should put like P, provisional uh, radio host right now as we speak until we try to figure this darn thing out. But but uh, I guess I'm on as the host, and I'm technically on the phone. So this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I, you know what, Mike? I knew when you made me the host, that was one of the worst moves you've ever made, buddy. You can't give me the keys yeah, no, to any right. kingdom, let me tell you. Okay, well, you have a lot, uh, of, fun listen, well, you have a lot of fun stuff, though. Well, yeah, we've got a lot of fun stuff lined up if we can figure out how to line it up. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, we uh, So those of you who joined us for the first time, you heard our new intro. We got the intro set up. We want to thank uh, Mike for that. Uh, we're going to be going over uh, a lot of things. Uh, Mike, you want to tell everybody what we're going over? Absolutely. Um, we've got uh, coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes, I would guess around 7.10 or so, Brandon Valvo is going to join us from Harness Racing America. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at B-Valves Racing. He's going to talk about the international trot and uh, what a great race it was and a great job of covering uh, the race uh, by Brandon, and we'll, of course we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, at around 7.30, we've also got Kim French going to be joining us, Harness Racing Sports Rider, and she was in attendance uh, down at Hoosier Park where uh, Freaky Feet Pete avenged uh, the couple of losses he had against uh, Will Jiggle So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And uh, the good news is, Mike, is that at both events, 
the crowds were uh, were kind of off the hook. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, the crowds as well as the actual races. Plus, we're going to talk about the Breeders' Crown, the uh, eliminations coming up, and of course our big kickoff show uh, a week from Saturday, which is uh, the Breeder Crown, the Breeders' Crown. And plus, we will also talk about the, some of the events that occurred. Over the weekend at the Red Mile. So, actually, we have a, a pretty uh, jam-packed show for you today. Jam-packed yeah, test show for yeah. you today. So, the, uh, we're going to start off with the, or with the Kentucky Futurity. And, Mike, I'll tell you what. The Kentucky Futurity was a lot of fun to watch. For those of you who didn't watch it, uh, Pinkman, actually, he stole, what I call stole the show and won it. Um, he definitely put in a very big effort. Uh, Jimmy Tector, going up the back stretch, he was driving. I'm trying to think of which one of those horses he was driving. He had five in the race, Mike. So he uh, he definitely had his choice. And um, he is, he drove one of his horses. He stretched out crazy wild, going up the back stretch. And then Pinkman, I'll tell you what, he had a perfect trip and was guided perfectly to the wire by uh, Jim Grout. Yeah, Pinkman certainly, uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the, I guess the jury's kind of still on, but uh, to me he's uh, certainly one of, the, one of the best, if not the best, riders in the game, and he's uh, going to be headed up north here for the uh, for the big races coming up here pretty quick. Yeah, he, it's interesting because Pinkman, I say me and Garnett discovered him because we seen him for the very first time at the Little Brown Jug last year. Uh, both of us bet him because of Sidney Weaver. And for those of you who don't know who she is, she's she's a very young, very exuberant harness racing fan. And, you know, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, you know, she loves pink. That's that's a huge thing And uh, with her. And uh, so we both bet Pinkman on that day. And uh, you know what? We've loved him ever since. And he's done very well ever since. So we're, uh, we're very happy with uh, Pinkman's results. So. I'll tell you what. Though, so, so, Mike, so, so are you actually? Yeah. You no, know, no. Let me now. Let me ask you a question, Mike. Are you actually get you get the money every time the horse wins, being that you and Garnett discovered the horse at all? You know, it would be nice, wouldn't it? I tell you, it would be a lot of nice if we could get like you know ten percent of his money, right? I'll settle for five. Five percent? Come on. Five percent. Five percent. Well, coming up here in just a couple of minutes, uh, we're waiting on Brandon Volvo to call in. Uh, we're going to talk about the Yonkers International. Mike, did you get to see this race? It was it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hold my opinions off on it because I really want to hear Brandon's take, you know. And, and uh, believe me, Brandon's not sending me any checks in the mail or anything, but i got to tell you, what a great job Brandon did, not only covering the race and some of the articles uh, that he wrote, um, but – what about leading up to the race? And, and we're going to talk to, to Brandon about that because I'll tell you, Brandon went above and beyond the call of duty uh, and uh, provided a very good service for that particular event. Hey, Mike, uh, uh, I, think we yes, have, sir. I think we have Brandon coming up, but uh, go ahead and keep discussing what you're doing. I'm going to screen it and make sure. Okay, sounds good. Well, yeah, so we'll get with him on the international trot. Like I said, we've got a lot more uh, to come on this test show. And uh, once again, uh, if there are any technical glitches, uh, we apologize, and that's why we put the test tag on it, because now is the time. If we're going to have these technical glitches, now is the time to uh, have them. And I guess Mike has uh, – Mike, have you taken over the run of the thing? Uh, I've got the studio going on over here. and um, So you've got the actually, studio. That, that uh, doesn't mean you get extra pay. Now, let's let's make sure we declare that. That does not mean you get extra pay. 
<laughs> That's right. Before we go uh, forward go with this, in, okay. Yeah, yeah, right. We're going to go ahead and bring in uh, Brandon Lalo now. And Brandon was actually at the Yonkers International. I'll tell you, like Mike Bozich was just saying, he does a heck of a job when it comes to the international stuff. Uh, Brandon, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, Brandon, Brandon, let me let me let me go ahead. Go ahead like, let me actually go ahead and start this off, and then I'll uh, let you feed off that. But Brandon, before we actually talk about the race, let's talk about some of the uh, storylines going into the international trot. Now, uh, the owners of Papagayo are actually not even quite sure if they if they were getting an inv- an, inv- an invite to the Yonkers trot. I mean, the horse, quite frankly, wasn't coming in with great form. He was battling injury, and then lo and behold, they get the invite, and uh, and boom, look happened. Let's talk a little bit about going into the race a little bit and some of the expectations that not only Papagayo had, but some of the other horses. Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, Papagayo's owners um, didn't think their horse had done enough to get an invitation. Um, you know, they they were in two grade one races prior to the international and they thought they needed to win at least one of them to get an invitation. Um, they ended up finishing second in one of them where the horse, uh, basically sat the pocket just like he did in the international. Um, but he wasn't able to get any room in the stretch. So he was locked in and he ended up finishing second. Uh, the time after that, he was in the UET trotting masters series final, um, about a month ago in Belgium. And, he actually got a quarter crack in one of his hooves uh, just a couple days before the race. So they had to put a bunch of plastic on his hooves and things to uh, get him ready to race. And so he wasn't at his best that day, they were telling me. And um, he uh, really didn't like the surface there at that track either. Um, he said it was way too soft for him. So coming to Yonkers, obviously, a much harder surface that had to help him a lot. Yeah, that's uh, you know, it, it's definitely interesting, Brendan. That the sur- you know the surface change, uh, how it would affect their training styles and things like that. But it looked like uh, looked like Papagayo had no issues. But uh, creatine set the pace in that race, and you know I tell you what, it was just seemed like a tiring race for him, at least a little bit. Well, he, he you know if you look at the surface of it, I think if you look at the fractions, you'll say, oh wow, he he folded with some pretty easy fractions, but. I think it's important to uh I think it's important to note, you know, that he had he had pressure going to the half from on track for you know. He wasn't just up there by himself. Um right. so he did face a little bit of pressure. So I think there's a difference between a slow pace where you're just on the lead by yourself and a slow pace where you're facing pressure, you know. Um Right. You know as far as some of the other storylines you had mentioned, you know, Tomoko was coming in off a huge, huge layoff of a hundred plus days. Um, so there were question marks there. He didn't have great form coming in either. Um, and there were questions about, you know, he was going to race barefoot over the Yonkers track, which is so much harder than the tracks he's used to and big thing. But Tomoko, he, he, he was uh, on the outside of all five turns, and he was even three wide around some of them. And he still, he still came. He was still coming out at the end, and he raced really, really well. So that was exciting to see too. Yeah, Brandon, talk to us a little bit about some of the some of the other. Um, I, I shouldn't say losers because I mean we're talking about a field of fantastic trotters, but uh, sure. talk to us about some of the uh, perhaps the horses that didn't race uh, to their expectations. 
Um, well, you have Mosaic Face, who, from the outside post, you knew it was going to be tough for him. Um, he, he really likes to be on the front, and, you know, he, he just couldn't get there from post eight. He was in the mix for a while, but, you know, he just, after a while, the trip, and, you know, he was in, he was in the flow, but he wasn't in a great spot, really. Uh, and just post eight, just got the best of him, I think. He finished, he ended up finishing ninth. Um, so that doesn't reflect his, his real capabilities, but uh, other, other horses, you know, be a magician. She, she was out of position. I, I would say too, you know, she four wide coming around the final turn. That's not where she wants to be. So um, I would, I would say those are the two most obvious horses who um, did, weren't able to race to their, to their expectations coming into the race. No, no, Brandon. The one thing uh, I noticed was Tomoku put in a heck of a journey. He was parked the mile, parked the entire mile. Is it in the, here in America? I noticed that most of the horses that get parked the mile have problems with you know fading towards the end of the mile. This horse went a mile and a quarter on the outside and still almost won the race. Uh, is there is there a difference between the stamina of maybe an American horse versus some of these international horses that have to go this distance all the time? Um, you know, there, there, there probably is, um, Tomoko is a horse who, you know, he'll go 2,700 meters in the pre-Domerique and things like this. And, you know, this is a, uh, basically a 2000 meter race. So, um, there might be a stamina thing there. Um, I think, I think one of the other things that helped Tomoko was, you know, he, Goop, he, he sent him out towards the lead early on. But then once he realized he wasn't going to get past creatine, he kind of reined him back, took him a few lengths off the pace, and just let him relax a little bit. You know, he, he was so keyed up going around the first turn. And then when Goop asked him to relax, he, he got kind of uncomfortable for a few strides. But then he settled into a really nice stride. I think that was the key for him. He was able to just kind of relax. And then he was able to, you know, conserve some of his energy, even though he was facing a pretty tough trip. And then once Goop asked him again, he had more. You know, he wasn't all out on the outside the whole time. He was able to relax a bit, and I think that's what really was the key for him. Brandon, okay. talk about now. Were you you were on track, correct? I was out on the track. Yep. Yeah. Tell us about the Norwegian crowd. Well, you know, it was really cool because they had by far the biggest group of family, friends, and supporters there with them. Um, you know, Tomoko Tomoko had a big group of people too, but. Um, Papagayo had the biggest group by far. Um, you know, his his owners, uh, their family, his trainer, his family, reader, his family. So there's a lot of people there. They had, they were all wearing Papagayo T-shirts. You couldn't miss them, you know. They had giant <laughs> flags. They were waving all over the place. They were jumping around. They were singing. They were smiling. They were, I mean, they were great. They They were the happiest group of people I've ever seen once once their horse won. And they were in that winner's circle. I've never seen a happier bunch of people. Now, were these fans, uh, Brandon, were they caretakers? Were they or just kind of a mix of family members, or were they kind of a, a mix of everything? Kind of a mix of everything. You know, they um, one of the guys said, you know, they had family, they had friends, and some of the people were just, you know, supporters who have been following them. And I guess uh, this group of people have been following this horse around wherever he goes for a while now. And so it was pretty special wow. for them to have all these people here for a million dollar race like this, you know, the biggest the biggest race of his career. So 
Um, so looking forward to traveling with him again wherever wherever he goes next. <laughs> How the cool driver. is that? that? You know, I'll I, I, I tell you what. Sorry, Mike, to cut you off there, but that, that's kind of cool that the fans follow him wherever he goes. Yeah, it really is. You don't see you don't really see anything like it here in North America. I don't think. Um, a lot of these horses have, you know, really, really dedicated fan fan groups and come out to the races and support them every time. It's it's really cool. Now, the driver of Papagayo, and I know I'm going to uh, butcher this name, is it Ulf Olsen? I think that is how you say it, actually. I think you did a pretty good job oh, there. Not, not, <laughs> not too bad. Second time driving the horse. First time at Yonkers uh, ever. First time for, uh, in America, even. First time in America. How how does Mr. Olson not only driving, and I don't want to say Papagayo is an unfamiliar horse, but certainly only second sure. time driving the horse. How would you? How did uh, Olson prepare? Not only, in your opinion, for you know the task of driving such a, a premier trotter for the second time, but driving him in a strange land. Well, uh, as far as driving Papagayo, you know he he did drive this horse in the past one time. And that one time the horse did win. So we had some familiar, familiarity that way. Um, and he also said that he's been driving against the horse a lot. And he has good contact with the trainer. And so he was able to talk to the trainer. And using what he knew from driving the horse and from driving against the horse, he was pretty confident going in that way. Now, as far as preparing for driving in America, he said he, he was on YouTube a lot, watching a lot of races in America and specifically watching a lot of races from Yonkers to try and figure out the track, figure out how everything works. And, um, you know, his studying paid off, obviously, because he got the horse in an absolute perfect spot. Um, and I think this race really, really goes to show how important trip is on a half-mile track because you had some very good horses who put in big, who delivered big performances, but Papagayo just got the perfect, perfect trip, and it really paid off for him. Mike, you got any more questions? No, I think I think that pretty much ran in. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, real quick, before we uh, let you go, besides the Norwegian crowd, how how was the crowd? Were they excited? Was there a lot of energy there? Uh, there was there was a good amount of energy there, especially when. Leading in the few minutes leading up to the race, it really started to build, and you know there was a lot of fans lined up down toward the rail. You know they were probably three, four, five deep along um, from the winner's circle down past the finish line. There, um, you know I think what helped they had the the hat giveaway, that was really popular. They had um, an Oktoberfest thing set up with like tents and food and all kinds of interesting things like that down along the apron. I think that helped get a lot of people who wouldn't have normally been out on the track apron out there in front of the race. So I think that helped a lot. Um, they, they just did a really good job overall, I think, of promoting it, especially given that this was the first time, you know, you know, give, given it's the first time back with this race, they, they, they could have ended up with a bad field. They could have ended up with a bad crowd. You know, nobody could have been interested, but, uh, they got a great field. They got a really good crowd, I think, and you know it's something that they can build on next year for sure. Brandon, what's next well, that, for Papagayo? What's that? What's next, Brandon? What, what's next for Papagayo? Um, well, they did not elect to supplement to the Breeders' Crown, um, 
So he's going to go back overseas. Uh, I believe he flew back actually today, this morning. I think he flew back. That's when he was scheduled to anyway. Um, so he's going to go back over there. He's going to go back Norway for now, and he's going to have a rest. And he's going to come back as a six-year-old. And that's, you know, it's interesting. They were talking to me about looking forward to a six-year-old season the way an American trainer would look forward to a horse's three-year-old season. It's that big of a deal. There's six-year-old season over there. So he's going to be in a lot of big races over in Sweden and in those places. So probably not France, they said. They considered France in the winter, you know, with the, the French classics like the Prix d'Amérique and Prix de France and things, but they said probably not those races. They're probably going to stick to Sweden. All right, Brandon, well, we certainly appreciate you joining us on Post Time here with Mike and Mike. Now, Brandon, where can uh, – why don't you tell the listeners where they could follow you? Uh, well, you can check me out on Twitter, and you can um, follow uh, Harness Racing America on HarnessRacingAmerica.com, and you can check out their Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all that good stuff. So, lot, lot, Lots of good information there. Well, uh, Brandon, we appreciate you uh, giving us a shout tonight, and uh, – Hopefully we'll have you on for more of this international talk uh, real soon. All right, great. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Well, that uh, that segment, Mike, was brought to you by Fantasy Trot, who is uh, working with us. And Fantasy Trot features this fantasy sports harness racing needs with a daily format available. It's almost like DraftKings, so to speak. And I know they're working on some season-long things, so make sure you go to fantasytrot.com for all of the fantasy sports harness racing needs that you may have. And you can also follow uh, Ryan Macedonio on SoundCloud, correct? That's correct. And uh, he's got a lot of interviews up there, uh, some great interviews as well. Uh, with, uh, let's see, with the last one, I believe he had Jason Settlemore at Darren Zocali on and, uh, and uh, some others. I, I think he's up to about 15, a good, very good interview with George Brennan. Um, so make sure you check that out. He's on SoundCloud, uh, so I guess you just have to go ahead and uh, do his uh, – just put his name in a search, and that'll that, – that's what I do. I can't remember anything, so I just end up going the long way and searching for everything. So uh, just go ahead and do that, and uh, and believe me, you will not be disappointed. It's a very good listen, and we're hoping uh, that uh, Ryan uh, will be a contributor on this show uh, sooner rather than later. Oh, good. That's uh, that's definitely a plus. Well, we're going to move in in a couple few minutes. We're going to have uh, Kim French on to talk about uh, Freaky TP. And Mike, I got your that file, by the way, so we're ready to play that here in just a few minutes before we have her on. But uh, let's talk about the Breeders' Crown a little bit. Uh, we're going into the Breeders' Crown this weekend, and we're on the subject of Freaky TP. Let's talk about the uh, three-year-old pace, pacing division. Uh, Wakazashi Hanover is going. Wiggle it, jiggle it is not supplementing to the Breeders' Crown, and that is a huge, huge deal. Uh, let's talk about that for a little bit. George Teague electing not to go to the Breeders' Crown. What do you think here? Well, there are, first of all, there's two horses that uh, defeated Wiggle it, jiggle it. Uh, Wakazashi Hanover, or, or, I'm sorry, two horses that defeated Freaky right. Pete. One was Wakazashi Hanover. And the other one is uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It. And, of course, we're going to talk to Kim French in just a moment uh, as uh, Freaky Feet Pete gets his revenge down, down at Hoosier Park in front of a, another nice crowd uh, like they had at Yonkers for the International Trot. So when we talk about harness racing and crowds, that's, uh, that never gets to be a, a, a tired subject. But, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a fantastic race. You know, Freaky Feet Pete, obviously, 
turned his game up a notch, but uh, Freaky Feet Pete has not made a start outside of Hoosier Park, and that's something we could talk to Kim French about. This is going to be his first start outside of the Hoosier State. Wakazashi Hanover, you know, I mean, what a fantastic horse. Uh, and you have to think that if Wiggle and Jiggle wasn't on the scene here in this three-year-old campaign, that uh, Wakazashi Hanover would be getting a lot more of the limelight than uh, that he currently is experiencing. But it's going to be a fantastic race. Of course, you know, it's uh, it's uh, you know it's going to be lacking without Wiggle and Jiggle just because you know the superstar is not there. But the race is certainly going to be fantastic. Uh, no question about it. No, it definitely is, and uh, I'll tell you, the clip we have is from is actually from the Indiana Sire Stakes race, or Indiana, excuse me, not the Sire Stakes race. Uh, it was an open race, and uh, let's go ahead and play it real quick, Mike. I'm going to go ahead and hit play on it, that's all right? Yeah, go ahead and do that, and then we'll uh, while that's playing, you can go ahead and bring uh, Kim on. Yeah. outside, and the battle is on as they come to the eighth pole. It's Wiggle and Jigglets. Freaky Feet Pete to the outside is surging. Freaky Feet Pete. Wiggle and Jigglets to the inside. He has the edge. Wiggle and Jigglets. They come to the wire. It's Freaky Feet Pete to win in an improbable mile here. 150 and 1. That was Saturday's Indiana Sire Stakes Super Final. We're going to be joined here by Kim French, the uh, uh, harness racing sports writer, and she was down there to uh, cover the event. Kim, welcome in. Hey, great. Thank you for having me. No problem. Saturday's uh, Indiana Sire Stakes featured, obviously, the marquee matchup, Wiggle It, Jiggle It versus Freaky Feet Pete. And, of course, Wiggle It, Jiggle It had the leg up. Uh, little brown jut winner coming in. Take us through the race. Well, I don't know if necessarily Wiggle it had it had a leg up. I mean, that was a pretty tough race on him. Well, absolutely, going toe to toe for lost for words, coming in against uh, Freaky Feet Pete, who quite frankly has not had a start outside of Indiana. Will soon against a very tough group. But take us through the actual race now. Wiggle it, jiggle it, set the tempo. Freaky Feet Pete drafted right in behind pretty much the entire mile. Correct. And that's pretty much, that pretty much was the race. It was a sprint wire. Talk about the and crowd. We, we, just, we just talked about uh, the crowd at uh, Yonkers and what a great crowd they have for the international trot, a very emotional crowd. And from the article that I've uh, Red Kim that, that you put together did a very nice job on. By the way, it sounded like there was a nice big emotional crowd there for Freaky Feet Pete. Also, no, there was. I mean, you don't understand. People from Indiana, he is a hometown hero. Everyone turned out to see Pete race. Mike, Jim, we're com- we're coming up now to the Breeders' Crown. I know they supplemented in. Obviously, Wiggle It, Jiggle It isn't going to be there, but Wakazashi Hanover is going to be there, a horse that he's raced against. He's going to a racetrack that is not any bigger than Hoosier Park. How do you think he'll fare up there? Oh, I think Pete will be fine. This this horse can handle anything. He has a very mellow temperament. If you have looked at his lines, he's pacing 
his last panel in sub-25 several times. Yeah, he's definitely it, somebody it, it, in competition. competition uh, yeah, I mean, besides, it, it yeah, besides, on the besides, let, let me jump in here for one second. Besides wiggle it, jiggle it, Kim, can you kind of assess the competition that he's faced down at uh, in the Indiana Science Sticks? I mean, obviously, Indiana's been a program – that has been on the rise for quite some time, of course, uh, of course, with the addition of slots. But can you kind of assess the competition minus Wiggle It, Jiggle It that Freaky Feet Pete has seen, and how much of a jump is it going to be going up north? Maybe he hasn't faced, you know, loss for words, Wakazaki. Well, I mean, Wakazaki got a garden trip against him because Pete's drawn some bad posts. But I don't think that will bother him. This is an extremely nice animal. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you there, Kim, with the uh, the garden trip of Wakazashi Hanover. It's funny you mention that because that's exactly how he beat Wiggle and Jiggle at the Pepsi North America Cup. In the North America, uh, yeah. Right. And so so, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, Freaky CP could do. I'm glad to see uh, uh, you know this horse do so well for the state uh, of Indiana you know, I see, I've watched the crowds. I actually watched the, um, or listened a little bit to the Hoosier Park uh, signal last week. And, and the the roar from the crowd when he turns for home is unbelievable. It's it's definitely a lot of fun to listen to. No, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever experienced. And it was actually really exciting to be able to be in the winner's circle and be privy to that kind of performance. Because we've always known Pete can do it. He just had to have the trip. Would, would Kim, would you say that Larry Reinheimer's decision of uh, flunking the 62-5 to supplement in the Breeders' Crown, do you think that's something he would have done if Freaky Feet Pete did not win Saturday? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, they have faith in their horse. And they're so proud of him. They want him to represent the state of Indiana and their hometown. Now, where are the Reinheimers from? Because I grew up, I, I grew up a little north. I was in Gary, Indiana, for the first uh, eighteen or nineteen years of my life. And uh, but I traveled <laughs> all across the state. Now, where where is uh, now, Mike? You have to understand. In Indiana, Gary is is not a part of Indiana. Gary's actually a part of Chicago, even though it's technically in Indiana. So where 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 are the <laughs> where are the where, yes where where are the actually are they from the the general area in Anderson down there? Correct, they are. Now, now so this is uh, going to be a victory a for the Hoosiers, the, uh, Mike. Yeah, oh, definitely a big, a big victory for the Hoosiers. And uh, Kim, real quick, uh, let's talk about uh, Freaky Feet Pete's breeding just a little bit. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the Indiana Sire Stakes program. Um, was his sire before him a champion or his mother a champion before him? Yes. Yes. Okay, and now um, were they both speed horses like this? Because he can go fast. That's one thing I do notice is he can fly. For sure, but I don't... Actually, I don't think it really has anything to do with his pedigree. I think it really okay. just has to do with feet. You know, oh, Smarty nice, Jones didn't... Nice. I'm comparing it to Thoroughbreds, which is terrible, but Smarty Jones didn't have the pedigree to be a Kentucky Derby winner. And 
freaky feet Pete, there's just horses that come along. That's who they are. Right. No, Mike, I, I'm going to ask have this the question. Talent, they have the ability. <laughs> Mike, I'm going to ask this question, and I already know the answer. Kim, does freaky feet Pete win it all? You know, I, I think he does. In my <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was directing it towards me. Go ahead, Kim. (laughs) In my opinion, I think so. Mike, what kind of odds do you think we're going to be getting? Uh, You know, that's a good question. You know, it's going to be a good field. Uh, Lost for Words finished second again, or third uh, this week. And so I think Lost for Words is going to be maybe six or seven to one. I think Freaky PP, maybe three, three to one-ish. Uh, two to one, maybe. It depends on what Wakazashi Hanover does. And uh, Kim, Kim, what's your take on what you think his odds will be uh, this weekend? I think Pete has to prove himself in the eliminations because a lot of people will not believe. You know, I mean, they'll bet him down, but what about Art Speak? No, I, I like Art Speak a lot, actually. And uh, it's funny you mention that because Art Speak put in a huge mile at the Red Mile. Uh, earlier this week, and I, I believe, and somebody correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he went 47, or was that was that the race he went 47? Art Speak was huge. Yeah, he went a huge mile, and so it, it'll be interesting to see because Art Speak here lately, or here lately, has really come around. But at the start of the season, he kind of seemed a little bit slow. True, but I think Tony Tony definitely knows what he's doing, and this Colt has shown signs of brilliant. I mean, his heat against Wiggle It Jiggle It was exceptional. Yeah, I totally Fantastic. agree with you there. Uh, Off his prior race. Well, listen, Kim, we, Tony, yeah, Tony listen, Kim, we, so we certain, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. No, Tony will definitely have that Colt ready, so... All right. Well, listen, that's Kim French, Harness Racing Sports Writer. We certainly appreciate you joining us. Covered the big race where Freaky Feet Pete knocked off Wiggle It, Jiggle It down at Hoosier Park. And, uh, Kim, do you have a Twitter handle, anything uh, people can follow you? Yeah, it's at K French. All right. Sounds good. Well, Kim, we really appreciate you joining us on the show here tonight. Thanks so much. All right. Well, that was Kim French talking about Freaky Feet Pete. And, uh, you know, you know, Mike, she brought up some good points, and Art Speak is definitely going to be a horse to watch in this race. Well, it's going to be a fantastic race. I don't think there's any question about that, with or without Wiggle It, Jiggle It. And, uh, you know, and it's tough to see. I mean, it's tough to see if Wiggle It, Jiggle It, if the, if the tough trips – and the fast miles, and by when I say tough trips, you know, um, he seemed to have handled them with ease up, with ease up until the, the little brown jug where he was really all out in the comeback effort. But you have to ask yourself, is Wiggle the starting to slow down a little bit? Are these are these tough trips and big miles and big efforts against the best, the best three-year-olds in the world, you know, are they starting to take effect? And, I mean, we know form cycles of horses. I mean, you see, you know, you see it every day in overnight events and and uh, and everything like that. So maybe uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It is starting to get a bit tired. We just don't know, and we won't know until the next race. Or, on the flip side no. of the token, is Freaky Feet Pete just getting that darn good? Did he up his game 
even further, and uh, that's the question I think that we're going to have answered coming up this weekend and next weekend. Yeah, those two eliminations, as uh, Kim French alluded to, are as races three and five. I'm looking at the eliminations, Mike, and, you know, and I'm not taking anything away from Freaky Pete's elimination coming up. I have not, I'm not taking anything away from that. I don't want anybody listening to think that I'm taking anything away from it. However, it is by far the easiest of the two eliminations. If you look at race three and compare it to race five, in race five, you have Delta Winner in the arsenal. You've got Wakazashi Hanover, Lost for Words, Art Speak. So those five horses alone this year have won almost everything or finished second in almost everything. You look at the elimination that Freaky Pete Pizza and you've got Yankee Bounty, Artistic Major, some of these horses that maybe you've heard of, maybe you haven't. I, I, I've got to think, if I'm Trace Tietrich and I'm the connections of Freaky Feed Pete, I've got to treat the Breeders' Crown elimination like it's the final and really, really go after this. Am I wrong? Absolutely not. And uh, like I say, it's going to be a major test for Freaky Feet Pete, first time out of Indiana, you know, into foreign soil. Uh, and you're right about the eliminations as, as far as how how tough they are or how tough one is and then the other. And, of course, you don't want to say the other is lacking because there's some pretty darn good horses in there as well. But uh, one is certainly softer than the other. It's It's going to be fantastic. You know, eliminations are always tough. Um, you know, because it, you just don't know how they're going to turn out. Um, and you certainly don't want to give a horse a bad trip in elimination. There's no question about that because the goal is to make it to the big dance. And um, it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if you look back the last, you know, 10 years, 15 years, um, how good do you think comparatively to in comparison to the the groups of three-year-olds that you've seen, Mike, over the years, how good do you think this three-year-old crop is? This this three-year-old crop is probably some of the best horses I've ever seen at three years old. And, you know, people can agree, they can disagree, whatever they want to do. But the fact of the matter is this. You know, you look at the fifth race especially. I mean, you've got Delta Winner who um, and Dude the Man in the third race. Dude the Man winning the Adios, the winner who was a shocking winner in the cane, uh, in the cane pace at the Meadowlands over or, uh, Wiggle It Jiggle It. You know, Wiggle It Jiggle It went into that very fast pace, uh, 25.52. That's a huge effort. You've got in the arsenal, Wakazashi Hanover, Lost for Words, Art Speak. I'm not too big on Tresor Hanover uh, for reasons that I won't say. And, you know, it, it's just this is a big-time crowd. It is a very big-time crop, and, you know, that's one of the things about comparing. It's, uh, you know, I mean, it's like comparing Babe Ruth to some of the great baseball players of today's day and age. It's a different day and age, and you really, you just really, really don't know. And most importantly is that you never really can compare them because they're never going to race. So it's always going to be up for argument. But I do have to say that it's a very deep three-year-old crop, and it's going to certainly be a fun, fun day of racing, eliminations and the final. And cheap plug, we're going to have all the coverage for you right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Yeah, that, that show is going to come up. Um, I don't know the exact post time schedule just yet from Woodbine, but we will be live uh, 
during the Breeders' Crown. So if you can't get to Woodbine Racetrack, you can't get to your local OTP for whatever reason, check us out here um, at Post Time with Mike and Mike. We will have a special two-hour show take you through uh, take you through the whole thing, starting from race one through race 12. Uh, we may not be able to cover all of the races live. However, we will be able to handicap them for you. Uh, we're going to come up with some pick fours for you and uh, pick fives, maybe even a pick six, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it sure will, and, and, uh, you know, we'd certainly appreciate you joining us. We're going to have a lot of other uh, fun stuff as well. We're going to hope to uh, incorporate some interviews, maybe get some interviews, uh, try to uh, tap some of the experts and and see what they have to think, and uh, it's going to be technically our debut show. So we've had the soft opening, and now we have to have the grand opening, and... uh, (laughs) We're still going to keep this test tag on for as long as it's going to take me to learn this sophomore because I have to say, Mike, I was a major F today. <laughs> you know what? That's okay because we're going to we're going to do this again on Friday. Uh, we're going to cover some races live from Northfield Park on Friday, and uh, you know we'll take you through some of those races, and we're actually going to do some handicapping uh, on that night as well. And hopefully, I'm hoping for some pick four, pick five carryovers. One second, Mike. Well, absolutely. You know, I mean, it's it's great if you get some pick four and pick five carryovers, and that means there's more money in the in the pot. But like I say, I mean, we're this is basically we're, we're going to keep running these test shows, and the reason that we're going to run these test shows and not really promote them as much as we would like to is because of technical uh, issues, and we want to get the technical issues all ironed out. I, I mean, I don't think there's any question about that before we get into the actual. Um, you know the real deal shows, and uh, so we're going to keep. It's it's kind of like like I say, it's like having a a P driver, Mike. You know, you're you're under so many starts, <laughs> and well, this is only our second start, um, so uh, you know. But I will say one thing, Mike, and, and for those of you that that you know could be tuning in, and we're probably thinking, oh, well, what the heck is this, or what can we expect going forward. And our goal uh, with this show, Mike, is to do one very simple thing, and that's positively promote harness racing. And we put a little right. bit of this on, on social media. And, you know, every hoof, I mean, whether you're a, a, a fantastic horse and, and, you know, been fortunate enough to uh, and, and talented enough, obviously, to make it to the big time, or, you know what, if you're one of these horses that we see every day, just one of those old lunchbox horses uh, one of these claimers that go out there and, and get it done on a daily basis. You know, every hoof that hits a racetrack has a story. I mean, every trainer that wakes up at 4.30 in the morning, uh, despite going to bed probably at midnight from getting home from racing so late, you know, um, for every owner that invests their hard-earned money into this business, for every driver that dons his colors, for every breeder, breed farm, you know, uh, no matter what you do in the business, um, you know, and of course, every fan that wages money. I mean, you know, this is what this show is going to be about. And everybody, no matter how you're, what your role is in this industry, everybody has a story. And Mike, we're gonna we're gonna tell that story right here on this show, uh, week in and week out. No, that's definitely our purpose. With, with the know, ca- with the caveat, to- if I could if I could learn how to run anything. <laughs> 
Yeah, if Mike, if Mike can learn the program, we'd be in great shape. I tell you, I, I was worried there at the start of the show for a minute. I was like, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. I don't hear anything. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're glad. Well, it's glad it's like like I said, it's it's kind of, it's yeah right. Like I said, I mean, it's it's kind of a I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you got to understand, Mike Mike Carter over there in Buffalo is younger than I am, so he has definitely got a lot more uh, technical. I, I don't want to say experience, but definitely. Is more technically savvy than than uh, myself. Who uh, you know, like I say, I mean, if, I, if I'm going to look for something on the internet, I have to go to the old way of googling it, and then you know, the the hundreds of search pages comes up, and oh, there I found it. <laughs> you know, so it takes me a little bit of time, but that's why we've got the test show tag. But uh, like I say, we certainly appreciate everybody joining us, and if you'll be patient with us through these technical glitches, we promise you that when the test show tag comes off, we're going to get it done. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, Mike, let's, uh, we got a few extra minutes. Let's talk about some uh, things going on in harness racing right now. Uh, the first, the, the, there's two really big stories. that One of them came out today, and the other came out the other day. Um, and the one that came out today was Tioga Downs gets their full casino. It was uh overwhelmingly supported by the New York Gaming Commission. And uh, I'll tell you what, Jeff Corral's been doing, working very hard to make sure that he got the casino license at Tioga. Now he's going to focus on the Meadowlands. It's going it's to uh, be interesting to see how this, uh, how this affects uh, things. It's a big victory for harness racing. There's no question about it. And uh, any time that, you know, we can advance the business, any battle that we can win, any war that we can win, no matter what state it's in, is good. And I consider this a, a battle won for harness racing. Yeah, Jeff Corral said, uh, gave a quote uh, just a little while ago, and he said, many members of the community were instrumental in demonstrating to the state that awarding a license to Tioga Downs would proactively, excuse me, would positively impact our region. I would like to personally thank the selection committee, Governor Cuomo, and the many municipalities and community leaders who made the license for Tioga down to reality. I'll tell you one thing. When they did this the last time, Mike, and I live in New York, so I went through this. Was, uh, the, <laughs> the, the way they did it, the, the southern tier part of the uh, – they gave away three, and the one to the southern tier didn't actually go to the southern tier. So I can understand very much why Jeff Corral was very upset as to why he didn't get it. Uh, it it's definitely a, a great day for all those guys over there, Jason Settlemore and those guys, and uh, I couldn't be happier for him. Hats off to him, and it's amazing of all the different different political procedures that, and, and all the different challenges that this sport has to overcome in every individual state. And one, once again, and this goes back to my – um, my wanting, and not only mine, but a lot of people, uh, the need for a governing body of this sport is is very evident. Now, keep in mind, just because the sport has a governing body doesn't mean that they're going to be able to overcome the obstacles of politics in each and every state. But certainly, if we did have a governing body, a central governing body, we could certainly be more unified, and that has been a big problem with this industry, as as well as the thoroughbreds. Horse racing in general is not being unified, not being on the same page, 
when you sit down and have your legislators here. So getting back to this, it's a it's a very big victory uh, for harness racing, but I would still like to see us all unite and, uh, and be under one umbrella. No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, the next thing, uh, Mike, uh, I hate to jump topics on you, but the next thing I want to talk about is um, the, gosh, I had my notes in front of me, Be a Magician. She, the Breeders' Crown Open Trot had to be redrawn because Be a Magician, she entered properly. Uh, Niffy Norman did enter her properly. However, she was accidentally thrown into the Mare Trot. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is really, uh, you know, this is, you know, kind of thrown things around a little bit because it had to be redrawn. So uh, here are the revised post editions. Uh, Flanagan Memory Drew Post 1, Resolve Post 2, Goral Hanover Post 3, Be an Edition 4, Intimidate 5, Creatine 6, and Master of Law 7. And uh, Johnny Tactor stayed over here to uh, to drive Creatine. And that is, that's, a, that's a huge, huge thing to, uh, to see. Well, sure it is. And, you know, as far as the... the Actual, the the whole drawing thing is concerned. Um, you know, there's going to be a lot of speculation, um, you know, rampant, and especially with social media now, um, you know, where people have, uh, where it's it becomes more commonplace for people to to freely express their opinion. I mean, the the opinions aren't behind closed doors anymore; they're out there for social media for everybody to see. And you know, I mean, there's always two sides to every story, so it's tough to to say well who was right or who was wrong or what ha- you know what happened i mean i've certainly worked in the race office in in my uh stint in this industry so far and and i could tell you that you know mistakes and things were made so by me so, even no, though yeah, at the time, I, I, mean, is, I didn't want i didn't want to say that the mistakes were by me but i mean i've certainly made some mistakes and everybody you, you know makes mistakes so you know i don't know no, mistakes, mistakes happen. I'm not saying that this was anybody's fault. I'm just, you know, throwing it out there that it happened, you know. And, and so it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Uh, those races had no eliminations, and all entrants go straight to the final. So these seven horses do make the final on October the 24th, and that is, uh, that is going to be a lot of fun to watch. There's 151 injuries, and some have eliminations, some have not. There'll be two-year-olds on Friday, three-year-olds on Saturday. And, uh, Michael, do you have any uh, news stories, whether it be local or anything? Um, you know, not really. I mean, we had a, a terrific weekend for racing. And, uh, you know, we had uh, all the action going on at the Red Mile, all the action going on at Yonkers, and all the, uh, of course, the big race at, at Hoosier Park where Freaky Feet Pete upset Wiggle It Jiggle It. But here's the thing. Here's what, inspired, you know, makes it all worthwhile is the fact that the one synonymous word that you can say amongst those two particular events is crowds. And that's what it's all about, right? I mean, harness racing is trying to to uh, generate interest as, you know, as, as we try to rebound from a period that obviously we haven't been very successful in drawing crowds. And, I mean, if if you draw crowds, that means there's interest, and I'm encouraged by the fact that there was a, a good, solid crowd, emotional crowd at Yonkers, and I was certainly um, encouraged that there was a great emotional crowd, as Kim talked about, uh, at Hoosier Park. 
you know, for um, for Freaky Feet Pete. And really, that's what this industry and, and people need. I mean, it's like American Pharaoh, and it, people want something to root for, you know. And if they could latch on and if they could identify and if they have something to root for, if they have some kind of emotional interest, they're going to show up. And that's exactly what we saw at Hoosier Park. And that's kind of sentimental to me, Mike, because, of course, that's where I've, I'm from. I'm from Indiana. And I remember when Hoosier Park first opened up, and not too long after that, Indiana Downs opened up. And, you know, the slots didn't get going right away. And there was uh, there was a lot of uh, question marks as to whether, you know, the slots would come into play. Um, you know, but they did. And uh, right now as we speak, the Indiana program has gone up and up and up. And, you know, we have to make sure that, with the purses and the breeding business and everything going up and up and up, the slots are serving their purpose. The next thing we have to do is we have to make sure that we can get the crowds to come with it. And, you know, when you got a horse like Freaky Feet Pete, he kind of sells himself and people get emotionally interested and involved and, you know, you get the crowds to show up. So if we can get start getting the crowds to show up, if we can start getting people interested, um, you know, then maybe we can make a go at this thing again. But I always get no, I when I hear crowds at a racetrack, Mike. That 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 always gets me uh, pumped up. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember going to Hazel Park to call the thoroughbreds, and there was, you know, six thousand people there on a Friday night, and so uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely a lot of fun, and uh, we we hope that you know some of you will join us next week for the Breeders' Crown Show because it's going to be a lot of fun. We've got some real good stuff planned, and. Uh, who knows? You never know what kind of winners you'll get. We'll give out. Uh, I know uh, Garnett. I've talked to Garnett Barnsdale, who is the uh, WEG reporter for DRF Harness. He's going to be on the show next Thursday with us, uh, discussing. He's going to spend about 15, 20 minutes with us, just talking. You know how the track is going to play, or how the track is playing, and how it could affect those racing in the Breeders' Crown. And so, uh, I think that's going to be a lot of fun and could be very informative for uh, betters. That's going to be interesting how the track plays. I think that's a lot of it, you know, and, and obviously if you want proof of that, check out the international trot. I mean, you had some of the best, very best trotters in the world there going over the half mile at Yonkers. And, you know, you talk about track condition. Brandon mentioned track condition. I mean, it, it, and when we talk about track condition, we mean like, you know, softer versus harder surfaces, obviously different style surfaces. And, you know, something that I didn't, and I wanted to ask Brandon, and it skipped by me, was the thought of different distance racing. And, Mike, that's been something that I have pretty much been against for the longest time. But uh, I'm starting to lighten up on different distance racing now, and I'm not so sure if that's not something that we shouldn't try here. Well, I, you know... And this is where we're going to disagree a little, but that's okay. That's what the show's about. You know, we talk about what we like, what we don't like. I am in favor of it. You know, I don't. I think some horses can get to distances, and some horses can't. And you know, I think maybe a mile would, is you know maybe too long for some horses. And uh, you know, who knows? It, it, it's definitely a subject that's been talked about numerous times. And uh, I tell you what, it's uh, it's definitely something we'll have to touch on uh, coming up. Five eight five and eight to a mile, and, and that's that's another you're right, and that's another thing, Mike. That when you talk about different distances, you talk about longer races. But you know, when you talk about longer races, we also a lot of it when we when we talk about it, a lot of us fail to talk about shorter races. 
five-eighths of a mile, some sprints. And uh, that would be kind of interesting. I don't really don't know how it would go over. I don't think anybody really knows how it would go over, but it is something different. It would add an extra piece to the handicapping puzzle, and that's kind of been the knock of harness racing, that it's it's too chalky. I mean, the favorite win percentage is through the roof a lot of times. So maybe different distance racing will bring more value and less uh, shorter payouts. Well, there you go. I, I definitely agree with you there. I think that, you know, Saratoga and stuff has really uh, done a really good job of trying it. You know, Unkers has done the mile and a quarter stuff. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, what track step, steps up next to uh, to do that. Okay, Mike, so the voice just came in my ear 90 seconds. For those of you that uh, – and, of course, we'll keep everybody up to date on social media – uh, they can follow us on Twitter, right, Mike? Yep, they can follow us on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One, and uh, you can get, follow us on Facebook as well. So you can you can follow us on it's Twitter, a- and you can follow us on Facebook also, and uh, we will definitely keep you up to date as far as uh, sixty seconds. She says this is one of the nuances, and that's what you were saying last week about somebody talking your hero. Oh, you have ninety seconds. You have sixty seconds. So and so, yep. um, but uh, you know, that, see, that's the nuances of being a host, and I think you're probably going to have to be the host from from here on out because <laughs> I was uh, look, looking at that screen today. It was like me trying to read Egyptian. <laughs> so we're down to about the last thirty seconds. We want to thank everybody for joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Again, we'll be back on Friday at seven o'clock for a one-hour show. And uh, we can't wait to uh, talk at you then. Mike, we appreciate you. Thank you. All right, Mike. Thanks a lot. And uh, we'll talk to you guys Friday. See you Friday, guys.